Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. I cannot believe we, we've been a busy uh, a bunch of girls these, these last couple weeks. 2021 is, you know, our little mixed reviews bitch, as far as I'm concerned. Work. Uh, Work we're, to be a winner. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, at the end of the year, we, like, had a little discussion, if you will, about, like, what's coming up. We've plotted far ahead. We've got, you know, all our friends coming to help us out. And also, by the way, P.S., we have some very casual, no big deal, super exciting uh uh, extra episodes. We we have never done extra episodes, and then in the past month we've had two. Hello, and also our yeah. extra episodes are interviews with like famous people. What? Take that, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other podcasters to like make fun of, but I really don't know like who who should be the subject of my ire. Take that, culturistas. <laughs> I was gonna say we're a very exclusive community. <laughs> Take so, that, you know. Ira Glass. <laughs> But before we get into our episode, because we, I feel terrible when a podcast sits there with a guest and is like, let us do 15 minutes of our bits and then you come in. We do have an extra special guest with us today. Do the bits. I love the bits. (laughs) Because we're recommitting ourselves to to having more guests on in 2021. Mm -hmm. We're sharing the love. A recommitment ceremony. Absolutely. And so joining us today is the extremely talented. He's a post person like me. He's also a podcaster. He works both as a producer and a co-host on the film stage B-side. He's also up on the rise on on the new Zodiac podcast by Blake Howard. Please welcome to the stage, Connor O'Donnell. Oh, hello. Woo! <laughs> oh, oh, hello. Oh, hello. We, we, we got you at the perfect time because now you're you're not even going to return our calls anymore. Yeah, after just... this. No, no. I And I think I tweeted as much the other day. The The Zodiac thing is super cool. For those of you who don't know, uh, Blake Howard at the One Heat Minute podcast is doing a whole thing on Zodiac. He's got a, a lot of great people that are taking part in that. And uh, he was kind enough to ask Dan Mecca from the the B side, who's been it was on your Jane Fonda episode, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, he was kind enough to ask Dan and I to be on. So we're in you know good great company of far smarter people. Um, <laughs> but but I'll I'll take it. I'm just happy to be nominated. So he specifically only had you on Zodiac though to talk about the drink Jake Gyllenhaal drinks in the movie, the Aqua Velva. Right? You wouldn't make the Aqua You make fun of it if you tried it. <laughs> I, I knew you knew the next line. That's the... Uh, <laughs> you set him up for him to knock him down. God absolutely. bless. That's what I'm here for. I'm I'm the straight man. Well, unfortunately, well, on this episode, Connor, you're the straight man. I am, man. yeah. <laughs> I'm the straight. Someone has but, to be. But not economy. honestly, if I'm being honest, not when it comes to pine. If I'm being Uh-oh. honest. It's, I have had a good friend of mine, a, a good married friend of mine, who keeps texting me, because once he found out we were doing Chris Pine... And like literally just texting me about how beautiful he is. And I'm like, it's what a, is it about Chris Pine? It's a goals thing, I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, and oh, actually yeah. here, I'm going to be just a real quick aside. Many years ago, I think it might have been around the time that Star Trek came out. He did like a late night interview. And I forget which. It might have been like Conan or something. And somebody sent me the YouTube link and was like, oh, he kind of reminds me of you. And I've never, ever, wow. ever gotten that out of my brain. Wow. Now, it's an amazing compliment <laughs> and very much untrue. Uh, but, but but it's something that I've now always aspired to. So every time I see him in a movie, I feel like I'm watching some alternate no. universe uh, be- best version of myself or something. Absolutely. Like, my sister once told me that I looked like one of the um, guys from Eight Degrees. And I was like... Uh- Oh my! You just God. T- you take it to the bank, right? Like yeah, you just and absolutely. it's never it's a it's a goals thing. Like even 
And it's been kind of nice to watch all this stuff because I just was like, oh, maybe I could and not to get ahead. But like I was rewatching Hell or High Water and I was like, maybe I could pull off like a dirt stash. Mm. And like, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. my wife was like, absolutely not. But <laughs> don't you dare. But it is one of those things you just I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know this and you listeners out there. I don't know if you know this. Chris Pine, handsome fellow. Yeah, very handsome, handsome fellow. I, I don't want to make you guys jealous, but I was once compared to a fat Paul Dano. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I just want you all, like, if you're visualizing this out there in the world, just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just you've got 98 like, degrees. You've got yeah. some some chubbier version of Captain Kirk and a fat Paul Dano to <laughs> uh, Paul Dano, to get just, to get you through. <laughs> ooh, baby, you're just loving the looks. Uh, but before we get into Chris Pine, who is our extra special subject of today. We're going to do some old business real quick. Uh, we didn't do a poll because, as you mentioned, we did do a bo- two bonus episodes. Right. Which, at, for a bi-weekly podcast, I think... Like Ambitious. Bonus episodes. Ambitious. We also... I, I was like... Am I really going to do a poll about like what your favorite movie of the year was? Like what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you do want to write us in and tell us what your favorite movie of the year was, you absolutely can. We're at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We would love to hear it. Yeah. So totally. the only old business we have is actually two new iTunes reviews. Mm-hmm. This first five star review comes from Torcat and it's titled Great Way to Spend an Hour. I love the whole idea of this podcast. I always come away with at least three new movies to add to my IMDb watch list. I particularly love the episodes with the more classic stars like Olivia de Havilland and Rita Moreno. Uh. <laughs> there was a sticky moment in the Cary Grant episode where I forgot what Cary Grant looked like, so I pictured Clark Gable. <laughs> I only realized my mistake when they mentioned a Philadelphia story in the 40s, and I was like, oh, they skipped Gone with the Wind? <laughs> <laughs> then, then I remember watching Philadelphia story, and it all made more sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as they keep posting, I'll keep listening. I'd love an episode on Angela Lansbury if you're looking for suggestions. Wow. Okay. I would. I too would love an episode on Angela Lansbury because I'm going to talk to you for three full hours about bed knobs and broomsticks and how much I love. That oh movie. yeah. Um, I feel <laughs> like this this commenter. Thank you. Uh, is it Tory Cat? Torcat. Torcat. Um, I feel like you paid this person, Gavin, because you have such a <laughs> soft spot for all the classic Hollywood characters. Guys, you can, always... I, can I burst your bubble real quick? Yes. Well, it's I'm Torcat. Are you no? <laughs> are you serious? Are you no? Because no. I would believe. Oh, okay. I was like, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can uh, cut that out if you want. <laughs> no, no. It's interesting though because our next uh, review actually comes from uh, an old special guest. Um, it's from Eddie. Uh, he says, "So fun and informative. Honestly, I don't know. I hadn't rated and reviewed yet because I've been listening and loving this podcast for years. Gavin and Louis had have great co-host chemistry and their topics are always well-researched and super interesting. So, you know, it is not um, uh, that far off that a guest would leave us a rating and a review. Eddie, we love you, gal. And honestly, Connor, if you haven't yet, why the fuck not? That's actually a good, admittedly, I don't think I have and I will immediately. You know what? I'm going to do it right now. (laughs) Connor, you're out. out. I'm so sorry, sweetie. No, I'm going to make it meta. I'm going to be like, yeah, right now we're talking about Star Trek and it's just really nice to be Allow me to remove this lipstick from my bra and it just says Connor (laughs) O'Donnell. Bye. That's a drag reference. Once again, you are the straight man. Oh, I get it, Gavin. I listen to the show. Yeah, the super indie gay uh, references of RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) Season 13. International. Uh, <laughs> but but anyways, on, on to this week's subject, which, as we mentioned previously, is 
Christopher Pine. Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I always like asking our guests, who most of the times will bring us with this topic, like, um, Connor, what is your deal with Christopher Pine? I very admittedly was like, Chris Pine, like, that's just like a boring hot guy. As I watched and did some research, I was like, or is he? Yeah. Uh, so uh, tell me about, you know, your introduction to Chris Pine and why you, you brought you brought him here to us today. Uh, so my, I guess technically the first movie I saw him in was probably Smoke and Aces, just chronologically speaking. But like, I, you know, I, he, he did, frankly didn't register. I think like a lot of people, my first real experience with him was, uh, was Star Trek. And it, it's, I have since kind of loosely kept tabs on him and then ultimately kind of started following his career more closely. I mean, I think this is a weird thing. I was kind of realizing as I, and I mentioned this to Gavin off mic, but, um, in doing this, I, I realized I have now watched every single movie he's been in Mm -hmm. and there aren't many actors that I've done that with. So I think that must mean that he's like one of my faves. Maybe not. Obviously. I don't know (laughs) if I'd consider him one of like the best working actors or anything, but like, I've realized I've just always kind of sort of gravitated towards whatever he's been in. And, um, and as I looked at the kind of choices he was making sort of in and around Star Trek and after Star Trek, I realized that he's kind of a, he's kind of a movie star. That's like 20 years too late a little bit. Like Mm. he, cause he's got the chops and I think, but he's just, I think now kind of navigating a Hollywood that, that doesn't need movie stars anymore necessarily. And yeah. it, to me, it's a little bit of a bummer because he has that, that thing, right? Like I think a, a certain number of his movies, had they come out in the nineties, they would have been released, you know, in the middle of June and been like monster hits kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, that's something that, I mean, movie stardom in general is something I've always been interested in. So I feel like I, especially now with stars that, you know, have been on the rise since, I mean, he's not really on the rise anymore. He's here, but stars that <laughs> sort of were on the rise, like in the mid to late two thousands, I've sort of watched all of them thinking like, Oh, who, like who are going to be our people? And it's, it's interesting to see how it's been panning out versus who sticks around and who doesn't and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but he's kind of a guy who I always just thought deserved a better career. And so, mm. um, and so that was kind of why, you know, in, in, in talking with Gavin about about who I would want to cover, um, he's just somebody that I kind of was like, yeah, like, let's talk about him because he, he, <laughs> he, he does the work and he does good work. And I, I have this kind of theory and maybe it'll get tested as we as we talk about all these movies. But um, he is never the like the thing that brings a movie down. Um, mm. right. Like even in, I mean, he's obviously been in bad movies and but but even like he's he does what's required of them in him like he has never been the thing that's failed and destroyed the movie for for me right. so i think that that's super interesting and i i just think that he kind of deserves a little bit of a reappraisal and i'm it makes me happy to hear louis that you kind of cuz i think what you described is i think how a lot of people probably yeah. think of him as sort of the you know the third or fourth chris Right. Correct. And, and, and it's, it's weird. Cause he's, I think as you look at his movies and you look at the work that he does, he's like, I secretly, but easily the best one in my opinion. Oh. I think he's my favorite Chris. Sorry to Chris Hemsworth, who we did an episode about, but I, I, I agree with you. And actually 
the research process of this, which is was not, um, I will say, maybe the easiest research process <laughs> because he's very private and yeah. private in a way that I would not expect from somebody that has his sort of cachet and caliber. Um, and so I, I think that sort of kept me from, I like I have a I have a idea of who I think Chris Pine is, right. and I I will do my best to impart that to you guys. But I will say I don't think he's fully knowable unless you were like a good friend of his, right? Um, and so I, I think that's also fascinating. But yeah, I think I think there's um, there's just something about him that makes him. I don't know, different. Like, there's, there's like... <laughs> what are behind those baby blues? I kind of, no, I mean, it might be as simple as that. There is a... He's talked about this before. He said, you know, and I, I, I found it so... He's so self-aware. He's like, listen, yeah. I know that in the beginning of my career, I was hired because I look a certain way, and it was shitty. I, you know, I know those movies are trash, like that. I'm not dunking on them, but, like, they didn't ask me to do anything. I don't have to do right. anything. I yeah. just, and so I think for him to kind of, like, want... To dig beyond that and and be more than just you know a pretty face, I you know it's. I think there are a lot of people who are not that self aware and just want yeah. to be fucking hot and <clears throat> Chris Hemsworth. Well, I, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, something oh in my, my throat. No, no, no. I think that's a good that's a good comparison. And 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 Lou, I think even I think a part of it and a part of the reason I gravitate towards him as a viewer is just it is that it's that he he kind of does check all the boxes of a of a movie star one of those obviously being very handsome like we've said and it's you know so he's got this on the surface he's got this like paul newman-esque quality of like mm-hmm. just the gaze yes. that you're just like whoa right yes yeah, and that, that even a few of these movies you know remark on directly they're just like, yeah. oh, look at how how fucking blue that dude's eyes are, right? Like stuff like yeah. that. Um, but but there's also, yeah, I think to to your point, Gavin, the the unknowability I think comes through in a lot of his performances, and it gives him kind of an enigmatic quality that that I think a lot, not a lot of other leading men who are in the kinds of movies that he's in, certainly not the other three Chris's. Like the, right. they just they don't have. And I'm not even trying to drag them necessarily, maybe except for Chris Pratt who can go away forever, yeah. but I, <laughs> they just don't have that. I think maybe the only other one who comes close is maybe Evans, right? Evans yeah. can, yeah. can kind of yeah. do that in, in, in certain, certain spats. But he but. feels, he feels so much more knowable. And part of that is, I think is his like, actual presence guy next. Yeah, yeah. His like, he feels like the guy next door. Like Correct. I, I feel like if you live next door to Chris Pine, you'd be kind of like, What's that guy's deal? Yeah. Like, what's going on with that? Like, what, yeah. what happens? By, whereas Chris Evans, you're just like, yeah, that guy's hot, whatever. He, it's mostly, he could go. Yeah. He feels like, and this, I think, is to his benefit. He feels like he could go either way in terms of like, he right. either could be super friendly and nice and jovial, or you're like, maybe he is 100% a cannibal. Right? Yeah. Like, maybe there's like four or five people locked in his Yeah, maybe right he's going right. to make you a lampshade. Like, you know, um, <laughs> but... Chris Evans is the student class president. Chris Pine is the one who doesn't even care to run at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But he could and win I, if he wanted to. Oh, <laughs> right. he absolutely could. Everybody knows him. Everybody, Everybody knows him. Whereas, like, but, uh, Hemsworth is captain of the football team, yeah. and yeah. Pratt is the dude who, like, has a Camaro and a leather jacket and, like, cracks But he's also jokes. the president of the of the school Republicans. Yes. 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 Exactly. The young yeah. Republicans. Exactly. Yeah. 
but I think that brings us to the perfect place to get into our rewind, uh, since we're now cast our high school Chris's. Uh, <laughs> I love but... this game. This is a new game we're playing every episode. <laughs> high school Chris's. Uh, but yeah, so why don't we do that? Why don't we find out more of what we can about Chris Pine? Christopher Whitelaw Pine. Amazing was name. Born. Oh, so good. Whitelaw. That's what? Like, that's like <laughs> a Mortal Kombat name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was born August 26th, 1980, which makes him 40 years old. Yep. Mm. 40 years young. It's funny because they, they just released uh, pictures of him on set of the new movie he's shooting right now. And I was just like, oh, God, be still wine. my heart. Be yeah, still my heart with those. Wine. He's got the three days of a condor thing going on with the turtleneck yeah. and the. Again, it's it's the thing where I look at it and I'm like, goals. Like, could I pull that off? Probably not. But like, <laughs> you, you I look, could. I look you at could. him in those photos. Oh, thanks, Gavin. But I look at him in those photos and I'm like, I I can I'm gonna go online. I'm gonna buy five tactical turtlenecks right now and a peacoat. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? um, but Pine was born at Cedar Sinai Hospital, and I love the fact that we know which hospital he was born at, I know. Um, which is in Los Angeles, California. His dad, Robert. Pine is an actor. He was a co-star on the TV show Chips. He was not one of the two main guys, but he was Sergeant Joseph Gaitner or Gaitner. I I never watched Chips, guys. I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> but, could not. Would not. Um, his mother Gwen Glifford uh, was also an actress. She's since become a psychotherapist, but most of you nerds would know her as Courtney Cox's mom from Masters of the Universe. Oh. No, no one. <laughs> Bueller. You said nerds, and I was like, I'm so sorry. It's not about me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I'm um, he took idiot. off his headphones. He walked away. He was like, yeah, goodbye. Right. He's like, sorry, I got to go hang out with the cool kids. Sorry, uh, I got to go and- hang out with Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his maternal grandmother was also an actress. Uh, her name was Anne Gwynn. And so what you're seeing here is, you know, uh, I don't know if most people realize this, but Chris Pine is a legacy. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to say that lightly because his grandmother was in movies from 1939 to 1970. Damn. So like, yeah. I, w- I was so, really surprised hearing about that because it's not like just oh, my dad and mom were actors, but, like, working actors and, like, you know, not, like, very famous, just growing up in the, in the, in the like, probably the 90% of, like, what the industry actually is, you know, people who are just, like, my everyday job is to, you know, do these <laughs> smaller things. Um, Be on so chips. Yeah, he's, like a, he's, right. a, he's, yeah, he's a legacy, but not, like, you know, yeah. uh, like Drew Barrymore is a legacy. You know, my parents were actors. My father's still an actor. He's had a sad car for 50 years. My grandmother uh, was an actress, and my grandfather was a producer, and so I've been around a lot of it all my life. So it's not that I was hooked into... There was never a passion for it. It just kind of happened. Seemed like the right thing. I wasn't too good at many other things, and I enjoyed it and, uh, you know, got some validation from it as a needy, fragile kid and that felt good and and there you go the funny thing is is he didn't go to school for acting um he went to uc berkeley in 2002 and received his ba in english i think this is the sort of interior of chris pine you're gonna see when he got to college he says he didn't fit in with anybody right and he had a really hard time making friends and he wasn't interested in joining a fraternity. So that's what got him into theater. And so he was a member of the UC Berkeley theater department. 
And he spent a year at the University of Leeds in England. I remember coming back from the, the pubs and it would be late night and my buddies, they'd all want to go for a pasty. But it would be inevitably, there'd be like an older woman in like her little hat and her little apron. And the one thing I remember, would you care for a pasty of or a copa? He also has said like it was never like his lifelong goal and passion to like go be an actor. Um, he in fact loved playing baseball and wanted to like pursue that and then realized he was not that good um <laughs> and is i think for it i find it kind of refreshing because uh, the cliche of everyone being like oh my god i've been like dancing since i was two and like now like whatever you know chris pine's being very real about this he's like listen i didn't grow up wanting to be an actor you know right i but i do I, want like recognition and love from people and turns out i'm pretty good at this thing at that like surprise you get people to like like you from this and and the other thing is is like he's also mentioned that that acting was always as a kid it was always a, just a job you know his parents would be talking around the dinner table his dad would be like I just did a guest spot on Quantum Leap and his mom was like oh I played Courtney Cox's mom and <laughs> and so like I think he saw it as as work as right. as like oh well this is something my parents do so we live and not right. necessarily. Which is not to say that they weren't passionate about it, but obviously his mother dropped out of acting to, to move on to a different career. His father has made a, a good career of acting, but but I think he saw it. He saw them more as working people and less. It was of, less romantic. It was yeah. not like you know Hollywood. I mean, he grew up around it, and so it's yeah, it's a different story as opposed to like someone like say you know Viola Davis, who you know was like literally worked her way down from the bottom of the barrel all the way to the top where she is now. Chris Pine was just growing up around it and he was unaware. And so, uh, yeah, I found it really interesting when he was saying that he was at Berkeley and just didn't really fit in until surprise, surprise, he found those theater geeks. (laughs) It's always, it's always the way he started going out on auditions. My first audition professionally speaking was for the Gilmore girls. My father, had gone in for an audition. I just graduated college and he told Mara Casey, my son's coming back into town, would you have him in for a reading? So nepotism at its best. I don't know, you know, maybe a boyfriend is someone, you know, I, I, I got my start playing boyfriends, princes, husbands-to-be. But his very first acting role was in an episode of ER in 2003. Um, and then he he makes the TV rounds, as everybody does, that sort of came up in the early 2000s. Uh, that's an actor. Obviously, we didn't make the TV rounds. Uh, not that I know you of, didn't? Louis. I, I, yeah. I, oh, I, <laughs> me and, me yeah, and no, I definitely went. did. Yeah, 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 yeah. we were there. Uh, so I, I knew David Caruso through, yeah. you know, exactly. through CSI. The funny thing and... is, is you didn't dramatically take off your glasses when you said that, so I don't believe you. Yeah. Oh, there you <laughs> no, go. No, see, I only dramatically take off my glasses when someone says something stupid and I can grab the bridge of my nose. Mm. <laughs> there you go. That's what you learned yeah. at the Berkeley I'm sorry department. for the sight gags on a podcast, but... <laughs> Famous visual medium. Yeah. In 2004, he appears in his first big screen film role which we have talked about before we talked about it in our annie hath's episode and that's princess diaries 2 royal engagement i did not revisit because i remember it being awful connor did you experience i did experience it was a first time watch for me um what did you feel about ruben simone (laughs) (laughs) well she's so raven raven Raven. so it's Mm -hmm. yeah I tried to mostly watch these in chronological order. So I did watch this near the beginning of my, my watching of his filmography. And it is what plugged into my brain, kind of what I mentioned of like, Oh, like he's, he's not the bad thing. Right. Right. In that movie. Like, and it, and again, it's like, 
it serves to uh, it serves to kind of highlight the, the like the problem with him. I think in his early career is that he has the face of someone who's like thirty five. Perpetually <laughs> handsome face, very handsome guy, no, but but both in that and just my luck, it's like this thing of like, how old is this dude? And it's yeah. it feels weirdly like you've shrunk in a like a 35 to 40 year old's head on like a smaller boy's body or something. Also, his hair wasn't doing him any favors back then mm. either. I, but. I don't know what you're talking about because in just my luck, he was wearing glasses and therefore was not Attract- handsome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> disgusting man yeah. who wore yeah. glasses. Gross boy. Horrible. Gross boy. Wears gl- fingerless gloves. Must be a scrub. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, I don't know. In, in, in Princess Diaries, it's just the kind of thing of like, yeah, I don't know. He's doing what he's required of him, which is to be like a fuck boy. So like, yeah. I, you know, and I don't know, he does that fine. I will have you know that I am very attracted to him. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> I am. He's. We are perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. He. He understands me. He understands you. Wow. What passion. Well, I didn't hear you mention love. <laughs> You're so jealous. Why would I be jealous of Andrew? He's got to spend the rest of his life married to you. The next thing he appears in in 2006 is a made-for-TV film called Surrender, Dorothy, which also stars Diane Keaton. I watched Diane the. Keaton. I'll specify. I watched the features. Chris Pine also dresses in drag in the movie. And oh. um, let me tell you, he didn't pad, but like very beautiful. He's a beautiful <laughs> man. Very pretty. He's got man. great bone structure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also in the same year, he stars in the aforementioned Just My Luck, in which he plays Lindsay Lohan's love interest. It's a film in which he has bad luck and Lindsay Lohan has good luck. And uh oh, they switched luck. Yeah. <laughs> That's so I, I I told this to you. I was like, this is like the last gasp of Lindsay Lohan's like yeah. teen girl fun movies. Like I don't think anyone Which is funny because it was considered her move towards adult romantic comedies. No. And it is not an adult romantic comedy. No, no. No, it is not. It's for children. It is uh, Fe- a, that movie is uh Conf- it makes choices with a capital yes. C for sure. Fe- feature- featuring the music of McFly. Yeah, I want to yes. know like what what music re- like AR executive was like. Okay, I have a band. Let's make a movie around a band. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, that movie. I mean, the IMDb trivia for that movie is a minefield. It's kind of very. It's great. I, I think. the very first like bit of trivia on it at all is. Um, her father, it, Lindsay Lohan's father, admitted that that was the the set of that movie was the first time she ever OD'd on coke. Yeah, um, but Chris Pine was because this was also like like peak high. Like Lindsay is probably yes. and I don't I don't want to I genuinely don't want anybody to come into this thing. Uh, me specifically making any judgments about Lindsay Lohan because I honestly can't imagine what it's like to grow up in the spotlight yeah. and to not really have a childhood and, and to and to, to hear about how her parents like oh my god it's just yeah, it, yeah no there's I yeah I, I agree with you Gavin there's no necessarily judgment of Lindsay Lohan here but it it certainly ultimately doesn't do the movie any favors and absolutely I think you were about to get to it so I'll let you continue but but Pine but has he's very diplomatic yeah. about. You know, the the sort of he's been asked about that era, about that time. And he was just sort of like, yeah, it's crazy to like be around a rock star and seeing the way that everybody treats her. And then and because there there's 
gross stories about her like not showing up for things like him having to constantly play scenes against her stand in yeah. her her not remembering any lines like you know partying all night and calling out sick yeah uh, yeah that's it's funny because so we didn't mention this but i i listened to um an interview with him and he said when he was like he worked at a restaurant in la as he was doing pilot season and grinding and he was like i fully did not have a life i was just you know, I didn't go to parties. I wasn't part of the scene. I went to work and then I went, and when I say work, I mean the restaurant. And then he would go <laughs> on all these auditions and, you know, and there was a while when he even considered like moving to New York. Pilot season is a absolute grind. And, you know, I had really bad acne growing up and I was like, had a, I just, my face was breaking out. I was 21. I was going out on these pilots for these like WB shows where you have to be like super, I just felt miserable as a human being. And working at this restaurant, it just was a grind. I went back to the theater festival my second year out of college and loved it and fell madly in love with theater all over again and fell madly in love with the process of just, I don't know, existing and performing. And I came back and I gave up my apartment and moved back with my folks. My buddy, who's a journalist, was coming out to follow the gubernatorial campaign with Schwarzenegger, and he had a place in Brooklyn open, so I was going to move in there. And I told my agents I was going to move. And then, as it always happens, the moment that you don't care, I started booking a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. But I'm glad you brought up theater because, you know, at in 2006, when he's doing Just My Luck, uh, he also does a very small film called Blind Dating and, and Smoking Aces at the same time. Uh, yeah. We'll get back to them briefly, but I do want to touch on the fact that while he's doing this, you know, in 2006, he goes to New York and he does a one man play called The Atheist at Center Stage. Um, And then in 2007, he does uh, a production of Neil Labute's Fat Pig opposite Scott Wolf. Um, And if you've ever read or seen Fat Pig, it's a great play. I would love to see Chris Pine in it. His character is a complete asshole. Just one of the worst living people and I would love to see him play he's basically Neil Labute stand-in in the film <laughs> in the, the play and uh the amount of yeah, Neil Labute and, like comes up in this podcast and the amount of times that you oh, yeah. just like drag him for filth is incredible well he's an ass but <laughs> but he's a good writer so <laughs> a lot of the a lot of those walking around <laughs> I do want to mention those two films blind dating rom-com forgetful I don't know if either of you saw I did. it it's real atrocious um, yeah it makes also some choices but the other thing that he does in 2006 is smoking aces it's a joe carnahan yes. film um it is uh, a big action movie um he plays one of the many thousands of people in that film he's a white supremacist i believe yes, he's a white yes. supremacist he's he's one of three or four brothers i couldn't three, tell. I think it's i believe it's three, three yeah three yeah three brothers who that also all look like mortal Kombat characters yeah absolutely <laughs> everybody in that movie secretly looks like even like when matthew fox shows up with his terrible fake mustache <laughs> and i was just like also a mortal Kombat character correct um but yeah that movie is certainly something yeah i so joe carnahan and we'll come back to him in a bit as well because chris pine reteams with him a few years later uh in an uncredited role in stretch yes um which is a large uncredited yeah role. very strange to not have a credit on it but but whatever um but 
and I think he's, I'll say, I think he's better suited in that movie than he is in this movie. He is, I think, like, he has a moment with Ben Affleck. It's one of the only moments in the movie that's kind of, like, you know, elicited a chuckle for me. He's just at the wrong place at the wrong time. So don't feel so bad, Chief. I'm trying to think of like what he's doing, like a comparison. It's like some combination of like a Brad Pitt in California with like yeah. a like maybe like Flea from Big Lebowski. Like it's like I don't know. It's like a whole, but and then also a little bit of Ray Park in X Men. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean I don't know. And he's like, look, I I enjoy seeing him off the chain a little bit. I think he can do it well. But it's the movie in general. Joe Carnahan. I feel like every movie I see of his, I keep wanting to watch a movie by the guy who directed Narc. And it's and it's like not that. Like I like I like Narc and I like the gray. But beyond those two movies, I basically think he kind of has the filmmaking sensibilities of a 16 year old. So 2008, he does Bottle Shock, which I always kind of forget because that's sort of like on the precipice of Pine blowing up. Uh, Bottle Shock's a small movie based on a true story about, you know, when when they started treating the Napa Valley wine scene in the seventies with more respect in right. wine, like the wine field than they did beforehand. Cause everything was precious about French wine. He plays so. like a hippie dippy dude. Yeah. Who's like a slacker loser character. What He's I got a wig know. that's doing a lot of work. Oh yeah. <laughs> or not enough. Was, yeah. Not or not enough. Right. Honestly, yeah. Maybe that's honestly not enough that, work. Yeah. Not enough uh, work. I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys read or heard it. Like he apparently hated making that movie. Um, oh in no! This, what? He, Spill the tea. He did uh, an interview with Hollywood, like the awards chatter. I had just done a movie called Bottle Shock, and I, I really didn't enjoy my working experience on that. I was just frustrated and just kind of down in the dumps. I told my agents, I was like, I want to take some time off and just figure out what I want to do. You know, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore because it was really disheartening that experience. And he's like, what about Star Trek? And I was like, did you not just hear what I said? I got the, the last thing I want to do right. is talk about phasers and stuff. Right, right. And he said, why, why not just go and meet J.J. Abrams? And I said, all right, fair enough. In 2007, uh, just to skip back a little bit, Joe Carnahan is about to go into production on a adaptation of James Elroy's White Jazz, which is in the realm of L.A. Confidential. I'm not, I can never remember if it's a prequel or if it's a sequel. I think I heard it, that it was like supposed to be a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like locked into this. He's ready to go. And then he gets an offer on the 2009 reboot of Star Trek. One was a latently homosexual, uh, homicidal, schizophrenic detective. It's like, that's the one I want to do. And one was, you know, Kirk and, and Star Trek, which is way, I thought, more straightforward. And one seemed to be the bigger challenge, and I think in talking about it with her, I was able to see it in a different light, that this was actually way more difficult for me because what it required was a lot more transparency. This I could, you know, do all sorts of fun shit. Sure. This one was like movie star stuff, which is the very, not to say that I am, but I'm saying that kind of role of the, you know, the leader of the pack. It's a very difficult... uh, Thing to do. It mm-hmm. requires a certain amount of transparency that an audience can kind of latch on to you and relate to you as both the character and you. I think that's like what Harrison Ford, I think, does so best is that there's a quality that's like, that's, that's fucking Harrison Ford. 
That's also Indiana Jones. I do feel like that is the splitting point for some people. I think if he had continued to do the sort of like Carnahan, big like charactery roles, uh, but still looked as beautiful as he was, I don't, I don't know if he would have been as big as he is. If he would have been like the the name on everybody's lips, especially within the last decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I personally love his version of Jim Kirk. Yeah, I love I do, it a lot. I do too, and I'm I'm glad you said that because like. So I, I think like maybe a, a portion of people when it comes to these movies, right? I was like l- very loosely a Star Trek fan. I didn't watch TNG, but I did see like the movies, right? And, the I, movies, and yeah. I had seen yeah. like the the TOS movies as well, um, as far as like Wrath of Khan, you know, th- things like that. And I think that was kind of my only exposure to it, really. And to the uh, to the oh nine movies credit it like converted me into a fan like i was like Mm. oh i'm gonna like go i'm gonna like watch this stuff now and um and i actually one of the upsides of the pandemic is i used it as a as a way to make that my sort of nightly viewing and so i i I plowed through the original I plowed through You're the like, original series. I'm taking the pandemic to transform myself into a full, full Trekkie. Yeah, maybe not full <laughs> Trekkie, but definitely like, uh, d- you know, just kind of go and see what it was all about. And so having now, obviously, years after the 09 Star Trek, really getting a full sense beyond the movies of of uh, Shatner's Kirk, I... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I respect it, I p- kind of prefer Pines Kirk. Like it, it's an oh, that's interesting. It's an interesting because they're not the. S- I mean, you're wrong, but <laughs> no. And again, I and the, which is why I preface it with like I'm not really coming into this as like a lifelong fan or anything. Um, so, and I think part of that is probably be part of what I just said is probably because Pines Kirk is one of the things that convinced me to be like, oh, let me let me give all this a shot. Um, well, he gets to use like his powers of like charm, and smart, charisma, and, like, yeah, but, yeah. But like his he's best suited for that type of stuff when there is like uh, an edge to it because yeah, the falling flat, like the Princess Diaries and Just My Luck stuff. It's like that's all there is. Yeah, but with Kirk, he gets to do like the seduction, the kind of like main lead guy. There right. is some romance there, but there also is just like this edge and vulnerability, and so there is something more. And he said, you know. I knew for a lot of these movies, I didn't know what the fuck I was even saying. You know, it's like yes. space and phasers. And, and, and J.J. Abrams told him, like, the direction J.J. Abrams gave him was just like, just say it faster. Yeah, like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like there's so much technical stuff there with, like, you know, CGI, blah, blah, blah. And, he, and, and so Chris has even said just about, like, you know, being a, a normal, regular guy and just existing on set and just doing that in some ways is a lot harder to do for him as opposed to someone who has like a lot of, like of character to hang on to like you know someone who is you know a fucking psychopath or whatever there's a lot to like hang on to there for uh i think for star trek and playing um kirk he was scared you know of doing that and just kind of being more you know i have nothing to go on it's it's this, like, <laughs> icon- this iconic role but um yeah i think you're both totally right and and I think a lot of people were like very nervous about what yeah. this was like, you know. And, and well, I tr- think I think it's sort of any property that's that love, beloved, you know. At at, at two thousand nine, you know, that show had been it was like forty year anniversary or, or a little over forty year anniversary. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Uh, my dad got me into it at a very young age. We had all the TOS episodes on VHS, and 
I watched all of TNG and Deep Space Nine and Voyager. And so I, I was like, I was the scary one. I was like the <laughs> impress me. Right. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I, I, I was, I, I love, I genuinely love 2009's Trek. I think that cast has a lot of great chemistry. I think when he like fits in with a group really well, mm. I think, I think it really, really works, especially the, the, trifecta relationship of him spock and bones yeah. mm. uh i i think the way that they play off each other but i also i'm glad you also brought up the edge louis because as much as i don't like it the only one of the three star trek movies he did that i don't like is into darkness yeah. but but there is uh there's a lot of shoehorning in that movie and 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 a lot of stuff that uh i think feel kind of like winky towards the audience in a way that makes me sort of uncomfortable Don't, in a way that they didn't in the 2009. Yeah. There's a, a moment towards the beginning between him and Bruce Greenwood oh, uh, yeah, who plays Chris, Christopher Pike where he like dresses him down and he's like, you have been doing this out of sheer fucking luck. You know how many crew members I've lost since I That's your problem. You think one. you're infallible. You think you can't make a mistake. It's a pattern with you. The rules are for other people. Some should be. And what's worse is you're using blind luck to justify your playing God. It's the best scene in the movie. It's the best yeah. scene in the movie. Exactly. And and that's what it feels like. That's what his Kirk feels yeah. like. And especially when you pair that with the scene that occurs in Star Trek Beyond where Bones is like, you've now outlived your father. Stop being him. And that's what's cool about the, these Star Trek movies is you don't have to have an active working knowledge base of the original Star Trek trek because these are not those characters right these are new versions of these characters there's yeah there's hints and there's there's like a groundwork but they have been altered and that and and you kind of have to deal with that yeah. as a fan and i think i mean obviously there's the there is the brilliance of the O9 nine trek to quite literally make the altering them a part of the plot yeah which is which is super smart and i don't think right. i think it got a lot of credit at the time and i think because it's ruined a well, lot of other I, things, right? Yeah, because I also think that yes. has been true. No, no, no. It, it, it probably is, and like I, I don't think we would have gotten the new Star Wars trilogy the way that well, it is. Okay, hang on. If, so, if not for the new no, Star no, no, Trek no. Movies. I'm glad you brought that up because what I was going to say is, I do think it's insane that, and I'm, you know, I don't know, listener, if you, I'm going to spoil Into Darkness a little bit, I guess. But it's, it spoiled itself. Yeah, but, Go ahead. But, but it it becomes a full on remake of Wrath yeah. of Khan. And I think it's a little insane that those of us that did not like what The Force Awakens did for Star Wars were that surprised by it. Like, right. and myself right. included, like I walked out of the movie and I was like actively annoyed. Right. <laughs> and But kind of more at myself because I was like, oh, but he did the same thing. With Star Trek, he like ran out of ideas and was like, let me just remake the thing I know people like. Well, maybe come back to Star Trek, but just just keep it in the back of your head. He's also still doing stage work. And in 2009, he does a production in Los Angeles of Bo Williamson's Farragut North. And then he also premiered in Los Angeles in a production of The Lieutenant of Anishman in the summer of 2010. And that uh, he ended up winning the Los Angeles Drama Critics Circle Lead Appearance Award, wow. which is a big deal. And he sort of talked about stage he really likes stage work he really likes the immediacy of stage. i feel like anytime i would love to actor, see him on stage oh me too yeah. me fucking too but uh i feel like anytime we do an actor and we talk about stage work they're like oh yeah the clapping the the energy of the audience and everything and you really feed off of it but uh you know because I've, I've just listened to him describe the difference between acting on stage and how like acting on film is waiting yeah and wait sometimes waiting 14 hours sure. 
I think filmmaking is such an odd art form. It's something I haven't really figured out whether I'm the small or the big. Theater makes a lot more sense to me because you get on stage and it's you have a sense of continuum. Film is about seconds. You're sitting around for 14 hours sometimes, 12 hours, long stints of not doing anything, and then you're called upon to perform, let's say, like the denouement of the film, or the, the moment where you tell you know, Louise that you are in love with her. And you may shoot five seconds of that at 1 a.m. after <laughs> whatever kind of day you've been, and you've shot, let's say, something in the beginning, and something middle in the end, and there's no ticker tape on the bottom of the screen when it comes out saying it. Unfortunately, they had a long day, and blah blah blah. <laughs> you have to perform then, and you know, that's really difficult. That's that is what people get paid to do. I think at the high at the highest highest level, that super A list, you know, with the Denzels and the Julia Roberts and stuff. That's a time management thing. That's knowing how you work best, what you need on the day, what you need to perform when that camera goes up and then off. Oh, also, guys, we need to talk about how many fucking movies, if there was a ratio of uh, based on true event movies that he's in, I swear to God, yeah. Yeah. every time I put one on, I was like, how many real men is he is playing? He playing? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that he's up. He's the Keira I... Knightley of male <laughs> actors. <laughs> Keira yeah, Knightley, it, Jack Ryan. <laughs> it, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely, well, no, and noted real person, Jack Ryan, obviously. Cor- correct, yes, yes <laughs> um, of course. In the fall of 2009, uh, he does Unstoppable with Tony Scott and Denzel Washington. And this is like, this is his first big like star making role. Like this is the the thing that comes out next. And I remember seeing the movie posters and everything for this. And I was like, I'm not going to see that movie. No, I, okay. So here's, here's the thing. I remember. Based on a true story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, with this movie, I I didn't see it in theater. I, in retrospect, I kind of wish I had. Um, I I think it would. I t- think it'd be a great theater. T- Tony movie. Scott I, is I someone who I liked. I liked for years, but admittedly, his filmography only grew on me after he tragically passed away. Um, yeah, and the I it's it's a huge bummer because I think Pine is a perfect Tony Scott actor. Mm-hmm. And and it's a, it's a bummer that this is kind of the only thing that they this got is, that they got to do together. This is like such a popcorn film, but also uh, this movie and like the, we talked a little bit earlier about possibly what Chris Pine's politics are. He has a couple of these movies like Unstoppable to me. I was like, okay, this is a popcorn movie. It's so fun, but it's also like very like democrats that maybe don't exist anymore and republicans that yeah. like aren't real and it's like oh we're working the blue collar jobs and like the, yeah. the the big corporation out there doesn't care about us yeah it's like and, a blue collar union democrat type right type thing sure right but also just like uh, all, all i can think of i mean first of all the movie is very dramatic it's 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 fun rosario dawson is like this isn't a train it's a missile i was <laughs> yes. like okay <laughs> um but like it all I could think of was like, wow, if I don't know, there was regulation or government oversight that actually like <laughs> took care of like infrastructure it's, and 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 but all they're doing is making it sound like, you know, uh, this bad corporation who fire me. I got let go weeks ago. Right. And like Denzel Washington is like, I mean, the movie is very fun, but I 
it's it, weird. On the reverse side of that, I also found it kind of mean spirited because Ethan Supley is the is the cause yeah, of this whole yeah. runaway train, <gasps> the and the movie treats him like a moron the entire time, and then at the fucking end is just like, and he's still a moron. Right. right? Well, like at the very end, if you haven't seen it, it's like, oh, Denzel's character did X Y Z. This person did, and then it's like, and this fucking loser, he works in the fast food industry. Yeah. I was like, okay, and it's like, why do you? Why take your last breath to punch down? I also now, do not <laughs> granted this is also coming from, and I I basically love Tony Scott, right? And yeah, I, I, right. I I do miss him dearly, particularly when I've I, when I watch Joe Carnahan movies because I'm like, oh, yeah. he's like the fucking Kmart Tony. <laughs> that he's like all we that have is left. A read. <laughs> you know, he's like all we have left, and it's a bummer. Um, it's like Car- oh, I didn't realize the library was open. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this about Tony Scott, and I know this is not a Tony Scott podcast, but he makes movies in a way that I think if anybody else made them, and I think you're very right for calling uh, out Carnahan on this, uh, I would I would hate them. Because as a post person, just watching the construction of Unstoppable with all of its like super handheld camera zooms, like it all looks like um like really run and gun news footage for the most part. Mm-hmm. And and like there's a way to do that dramatically and i think he's keyed into it in a way that a lot of other filmmakers aren't but i but it's such a hard place to get to in in all honestly not to get too technical but but like it is he had a way of yeah connect like kinetically driving a story but in a way that served the story as opposed to an element of just specifically style well, right, because there were times where the cameramen were just literally moving the camera side to side for, for <laughs> what seemed like no reason at all, and and that sort of unjustified motion to me, I'm always like, why am I watching yeah, this? Yeah. But when he does it, it's like, oh, I get it, I got it. Well, the movie also like relies a lot on like the media aspect to it to tell the story, to yeah, tell the sure. audience what is happening. I remember thinking, I was like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, trains and brakes, <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea, but. Thank God that they have this frame of like the media being like, so what we're doing right now and what yeah, might yeah. happen. It's yeah. like, thank you for telling me the stakes of the movie because I have no fucking clue. No, and the I, train is going it, and, it, and it can't be stopped. No, and it's I, I think that the move that movie, I I didn't rewatch it for this, but I rewatched it like last year in the throes of, you know, pandemic that we're still in, obviously. But um, but I did think about that in terms of like I feel like I know how trains work now like do you yeah. remember when it's like I totally 100% don't but I think that movie does a nice efficient job of treating the audience enough like an idiot to, right. to be right. able to walk you through it uh, just to enjoy dra- it have fun dramatically I, I was uh, like this is drama the Hollywood reporter named Pine after that movie came out as one of the male actors that was pushing or being pushed into taking over the Hollywood's new A-list Ooh, I could see yeah. that I mean, you I mean just, if you ha- only I wish yeah I wish that <laughs> were true um, and, and I think nothing could be more indicative than the next movie he does which is 2010's shot in 2010 released in 2012 this means war with Reese Witherspoon and Tom Hardy yeah. this is a spy rom-com him and Tom Hardy are both CIA people Angela Bassett's in this movie I did yes. not run into no. I did not run into any sort of Angela Bassett thing when I when we did our Angela Bassett episode. No. So I complete I was like, she's in this movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, I this, yeah. And what I kind of loved, I'm a big, I'm a big Mission Impossible Fallout proponent. So I just yeah. sort of like the idea that this is the same character. That's like what she I is. was doing in my brain. <laughs> yeah. I it's like a connected universe. The job. Um, but she, you know, the, the, they both they're spies, they both fall in love with Reese Witherspoon. They both like use 
means their jobs to- totally incorrectly to spy on gr- her so they can it's a gross become movie. the perfect can we just boyfriend. Say that? It's a gross movie. Yeah, it's super fucking yeah. gross. Uh, the only good ending to this movie is if Chris Pine and Tom Hardy get together, which they don't. Mm. I think that might actually be a deleted ending. I think the good ending to this movie that does not exist or whatever, but if we're playing what if, the good end of this movie is if like she's a spy. Yeah, and, yeah, and kills them. And, both. Oh, right, or or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever. But the idea of she's playing both ends against the middle, whatever, like that's the good end to this movie because I think you yeah. can kind of it makes it give a her little, some agency. I don't well, know. That, give her some... <laughs> the one thing I'll say about this movie, not to its credit, but just in general, is that this is I think a thing that carries through some of the movies we've already talked about. Some of the movies we'll talk about. In that when he's in the hands of a mediocre or bad director, it, yeah. it's not even that he's bad. Like, I don't know. He's fine in this movie. He does what the movie requires of him. He's kind of a charming cad, right? Handsome, yeah, whatever. Right. Playboy, whatever. It's fine. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but the thing of this movie is like, it, it's not directed by Doug Lyman and it's not directed by right. James Mangold, both of whom made Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Night and Day, which are like better versions of this subgenre right, of, right. of yeah. movie. The spy comedy. Yeah. And it's so it's not like it can't be done. And I think the biggest crime of this movie is what a fucking waste of everybody's time it is. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> just in terms of I mean, Reese with it, like all of them, very charming. Like, and I will say the one plus that I was like, well, this is sort of nice to watch, is it was nice to watch Tom Hardy as, like, sort of a normal human who's, like, not... Not doing an accent. Yeah, not doing not an accent, and just, just playing a guy. Yeah. And I, yeah. I it, made, it did make me sort of... I don't know if you guys have done a Tom Hardy episode, but it did... No, I was no. like, oh, I wish he did this more because he's, like, very, <laughs> very nice, very charming, like... Yeah, he does a voice in the animated film Rise of the Guardians, which I think we talked about in our Superhero Teams movie episode. In... Uh, 2012 he's in uh, alex kurtzman's first film as director people like us which co-stars elizabeth banks olivia wilde and michelle pfeiffer as his mom which i think is incredibly good cast agreed in, in all honesty um 2009 he attempts to to enter another franchise um and he, he gets pe- cast as jack ryan in the tom clancy reboot jack ryan shadow recruit this is a role that's been played by Alec Baldwin and Harrison Ford and Ben Affleck. And so now he was the latest victim to play Jack Ryan. <laughs> right. And um, yeah. With someone and, who almost was Jack Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> Kevin yeah. Costner. Yes. I. Oh, yeah. I forgot. And the funny thing is, is like he turned it down because he doesn't like Tom Clancy because Tom Clancy is a super Republican. I will say uh, that that's my hill that I like i i totally get that i do basically like all the jack ryan movies which which is funny because i'm a big spy movie guy and like i i grew up as a kid um even though i feel like they're kind of the more they'd be seen more as the more boring ones but the harrison ford ones my dad loved so like i i saw them a lot as a kid and i didn't know what tom clancy's politics was but i could have guessed that's how i kind of yeah yeah yeah, and and so like i do like those uh shadow crew is very paint by number it's so funny um it's directed by kenneth Branagh, and the only reason he did the like they wanted him to play the villain and he said he would only do it if he could direct and i i Good rewatched for it for this i had not i had not seen it since i saw it in the theaters and i have the same complaint that i had um 
the first time, which is that if you let Kenneth Branagh star in anything, that he's also directing the movie automatically becomes about him. And so I think it's so funny that it's Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit and two thirds of the movie is, is like this Kenneth Russian Branagh. villain. I, I think he's yeah. basically fine. And I, I, I'll say this. I like this movie OK enough. Right. Like to me, this is yeah. what I would call like a TNT Sunday movie. Where it's like, if I'm, if I'm hungover on a Sunday and it's on TV, I will watch 20 minutes of it. I think it works on those merits just fine. Um, it does run out of steam a little bit. But I think, again, it's a thing of, I I think Kenneth Branagh even kind of eating a ham sandwich as the villain is fine by me. I'm with it. <laughs> Doing this sort of semi-bad Russian accent. I'm okay with that. I do wish it was directed <laughs> by a better like thriller action director. Um, he would then reprise that role in last year's Tenet. Tenet. Yeah, so. which is, and this is not, I'll give credit to the Blank Check podcast, but they do kind of mention that in that, like, that role is this role turned up by fucking, like, 20%. Uh, yeah. And I, look, I'll say this. I like him in that movie, too. It's it's a He's building a whole city out of ham. But um, I just, I, what I love about this movie is that Kira Knightley finds out he's in the CIA, and she's like, oh, my God, that's, so exciting, so it's fun. It's the best part of the movie. It's, my favorite scene no, in the it's film. The best yes, part of the movie. I love it's, that we're I, all on the same page. I, when that happened in the movie, I was like, brilliant. I was like, that's so good. You can't let me think that I'm crazy anymore. Because now I know that I'm not. Just talk to me. Will you meet me halfway? I'm in the CIA. I thought you were having an affair. She gets a lot of crap, just in general. Uh, I like her. I like her as I well. Think she's yeah. the, I think she's the MVP of the film, in all honesty. And it's solely for that yeah, scene. No, she, her yeah. reaction where she's just like relieved that he's not cheating Yeah, on no, her. and it's yeah. so good because I think it plays... There's literally... You know, if you, if you rewind the Jack Ryan franchise... Some of all fears does the same kind of dynamic, right? And play and yeah. plays it the other way, where he's like, "I'm in the CIA," and she's like, "That's so lame. You're lying. You're cheating. Whatever, right?" Mm-hmm. And it's cute in that movie too, or whatever. But it's the different thing, and you expect them to do that here, and instead, yeah. she's just like, "Oh and my god, that's so, that's so much better than what I thought." And I like him as Jack Ryan, and I just think he expressed regret after this movie that he was like. I feel like we didn't quite nail it and it's a huge regret yeah. of mine. And I, you know, and I, I like that he takes it on himself. No, no, no. And it's not, it's again, like, yeah. it's not his fault necessarily because right. I do think he's a very good Jack Ryan. I think not unlike the Captain Kirk thing, um, he is good at playing a man who's out of his depth. Right. And that's, yeah. that's the appeal right. of Jack Ryan. After that, he does the Disney based on a true story, the finest hours where he, Bernie uh, you know, Webber. Yeah, um, my only I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. Um, it I mean, it looked like a video game yeah. more often yeah. than it looked like anything else, which was like, I don't know, when you're telling a true story, maybe don't make your film look that cheap. Uh, but uh, I, I thought that it looked quite I, expensive. Well, that's oh, yeah, no, no, I, no, I, I, I agree with Louis. It looked expensive in that there were I feel like every shot was a VFX shot. Like it, yeah. it felt, it felt like, uh, so when I, that I'm, boat was fucking cut in half. I was like, Oh my God. I, no, no, no. And I, I'm with that Louie. Cause I, I rewatched this last night with my wife and I, I like it fine. I think this movie's fine. I'm a, I'm a fan of it on a level of like, they don't make movies like this anymore. So I, 
There's a reason. Well, okay, oh. and that's hey, and that's a fair. Yeah, that's, Gavin is getting that's, real salty that's about a the fair counter, hour. That's a fair counter, and it, but it's the same kind of way I feel about Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, which is to say, these movies, if Chris Pine was a movie star twenty years earlier, would get released in yeah. the middle of the summer. They'd make a ton yeah. of money, and he'd be the biggest movie star in Hollywood. I think his performance is great in this movie. And I, oh. and I, I, I'd agree. I'd agree. I was thinking like, man, this man has been on planes or like spaceships and <laughs> boats and trains and they just won't fucking give him a break. But like yeah. at the end of it, you can just see him being like, I am so fucking tired. Yeah. Like, and, 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 what and I you love feel is like the, the brokenness. Is, no. And I, not a lot of movie stars would take a role like this where it is a it is a fully emasculated performance. He yeah. is a dude who is treated as a coward, as some sort of a lesser man who the entire movie, even when he succeeds, is second guessing right. himself. And spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, nobody thanks him. Like, right. like I, which is I, kind I of great. That, like it's a it's a wonderful yeah. like when he has to make any decision in the movie, he's like, I don't know. I fucking hope it works. And it's <laughs> it's different than, say, like, a, I'm trying to think of... I mean, I off mic, I compared him to, like, a Tom Cruise, right? And it's different than, like, a Tom Cruise in, say, a Mission Impossible movie where they're like, is this going to work? And he's like, I don't know, but it's going to work, right? Like, that's a different <laughs> energy, and it works fine enough. But this, I just watching him in this movie, he's... He's so much better than this movie is. And he, I think yeah. he gives a performance that kind of expresses that. Put the seat behind us. Just, just let it push us along till we lay up somewhere. Storm's, storm's easing up, boys. So we just look for the lights on the shore to guide us in. Even if we have to go so far, it's not a good point. So be it. We just got to find land. The next thing he does is he does a small role in Into the Woods where he gets to sing. And this is, the I think, the thing that people don't know. Great voice. So good. Amazing voice. Uh, So much so Barbara Streisand invites him to do her album, Encore Movie Partners Sing Broadway. They do a couple songs together on that album. He's good. No complaints there. Um, He's the best part of that movie, too. Yeah. (laughs) I, I don't know. For my money... That's it's a bad movie. So yeah, no, he's uh, it's <laughs> he he to me is the only thing that comes out, and I'm like, well, that was good though. I mean, when he tears his shirt open as Cinderella's prince, and, I and love that song. Agony, him and agony, yeah, yeah, it's great with him and Billy Magnuson. They're so fun. Yeah, he likes doing comedies. You know, he does Wet Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp TV series. He also then goes on to do Ten Years Later. He gets an Emmy for voicing a character in Supermansion. So he's on his way to that EGOT, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the next film that he he does is 2015's Hell or High Water with the aforementioned Ben Foster um, and uh, Jeff Bridges. And it's this film where they are brothers who are robbing banks. Their mother's house has been uh, reversed mortgaged by a bank, but there happens to be oil on it. And so so they're robbing the banks to pay off the reverse mortgage with the bank's own money. Yeah. Yeah, with absolutely the bank that it was reverse mortgaged. And yeah, and um, yeah. Uh, it's brothers robbing banks and the cops trying to get them in Texas. Yeah, it's yes. a very old school genre, genre picture yeah. for sure. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. So why don't we just keep going? Um, and, uh, you know, he, he does 
Wonder Woman, his next big like steeping in a franchise. He does Wonder oh, Woman what a in snack. 2015. What a snack in that yeah. movie. Tr- truly beautiful. Just a beautiful man in that movie. And um, a lot of people have issues with Gal Gadot and her acting ability. But I, I think in this particular instance, they do have a lot of chemistry. Mm-hmm. And they do a, go- a really good job. I think that that movie in particular could have obviously very easily fallen into the really shitty trap that movies like that do where like an infantilized woman of mystical powers falls in love with a dude because he's the first dude that she meets when she like right, enters right. the real world type thing tale as old as time <laughs> and you, you know you see it run whatever i won't get into it but it, i think that movie so successfully navigates that trap because she has the the one up on him on so many levels while also allowing him to come across as someone that she could earnestly fall in love with and is like yes. totally worth it where you're like, Oh yeah, I don't know. This Steve Trevor dude seems like a good guy. Like, you know, he's not just yeah. some like dumb fuck boy. Would you say you're a typical example of your sex? I am above average. What's that? It's a, uh... Oh, um... It's a watch. A watch? Yeah, it's a a watch, tells time. I think it's a really hard distinction to play off because I think, you know, if you're going into that movie and you're playing, like, an ace fighter... An ace fighter pilot, the, the... The instinct would be to be somebody who's a little more egocentric yeah, not and a little Solo. more like right, no, like, no, right no. exactly which is funny because i've heard him in so many interviews bring up um harrison ford as sort of like a model for sort of what I he think likes he gets and compared I, to I, it a lot too with the with the especially i feel like when star trek came out they were like oh what yeah. if han solo was captain kirk right that's like and you know. and but i but i think what he gets from it is that um relatability like i think that the big difference is and i i rarely think chris pine comes off as a curmudgeon you know harrison ford always has that little bit like yeah. i'd rather be fishing sure. or whatever sure, sure. attitude yeah. to anything he's doing yeah. and chris pine is always like there in the moment but it, i think it's also a very he creates a very human character for a lot of the things that he does um 2018 a wrinkle in time which you just watched last night connor yeah for the first time i had not seen it in the reverse of that, in 2018, he's also Robert the Bruce in the Netflix film Outlaw King. Uh, I was in Scotland when they were shooting oh, that. Really? We no went way. To one of, yeah, we went to one of the castles, and they like had to warn us ahead of time. They're like, "Oh, uh, I'm not even gonna bother. Try it. don't don't make me do an accent." But <laughs> they're basically like, "Don't." They're like, "Just be careful." Because Netflix was just here shooting a movie about Robert the Bruce, and um, they had to bring in a lot of extra mud. And I was like, extra mud? Extra you, mud. You, I was like, do you live in this country? It's a very, <laughs> it's a very muddy movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, speaking of like wig work, uh, it's Robert the Bruce and his mullet. I uh, I was like, okay, an interesting uh, it's style. It's a choice. Yeah, it's, it's a, a choice. It's a choice. But the, but the movie itself is is pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I, this is not like, this is not my brand of movie at all. Uh, it's a little too brutal for my sure. taste, but like, uh, he's good. And it's also very different, you know, as like little Florence. She's, I think she's very good. I think she adds so much to the movie. Yeah, um, I agree. I think the way David McKenzie treats her adds so much to the movie. 
Pine, <laughs> I, they, I think they have very good chemistry. I think that whole dynamic is really, it's, I don't know if it's sort of a fortuitous thing or what, but I mean, it, it, it is what Mackenzie places at the heart of the movie and it happens to work. So I think it's why the movie works on, right. on an emotional level. I, I say that I just rewatched it this morning. Um, but I like this movie a lot. I think it's kind of underrated. I think it works tremendously as like the anti Braveheart. Um, mm. Yeah, I, and I I do like that aspect. I'm not a fan of this movie, I will mm. say, but I, well, I do not, like Gavin, that aspect. Gavin, he's not like the other kings. He's an outlaw king. So <laughs> okay, Gavin, like God, yeah, he's not a mainstream but king. He's an outlaw king. He's a little edgy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I I think I think it has merit. I think it, it's worth dipping your toes into if you're if you're interested in that sort of um that sort of historical biopic sure. and uh, you know it's just not my favorite not for that's, I, I, that's, yeah, not for, it's not for everybody like if you don't yeah. yeah if you don't like louis i'm surprised like i'm surprised to hear you say you don't usually like these kinds of movies but you liked it because yeah, I, w- I was i i think like the the people like the, they they seemed like real people to me yes. you know and like uh, there's stakes and i don't know I mean, some part, some parts of it, I was like, "Oh, they're just fucking killing each other a lot." Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. It, uh, the uh, there is full frontal in this. Movie, there is. Correct? He's in a lake. There is. He gets, yes. he gets, some he gets up. Yeah, yeah he, I, I did. Yeah. Re- I did rewind. It's very tasteful. Yeah, yeah. I am looking respectfully. A nice tall pine in that scene. Yes. <laughs> the following year, he does the voice of Peter Parker, Spider Man, in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. He makes a very good Spider Man. Yeah. Doesn't um, it kind of make you want to see him as yeah. Peter Parker? Yeah. Uh, speaking of, by the way, he also then does the like fake Christmas album oh, that right. they that they have in the movie, um, which I, I, you know, hey, he can sing. Yeah. So the next thing is Wonder Woman 1984, which just came out uh, in on uh, December 25th of this past year. Um, it's a reteaming of him and Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins. He also worked with Patty. I do want to mention he did his first ever like weekly TV series. I watched the uh, whole thing, two, by the way. 2017. Did you yeah, really? When, like when it was on. Like not for it's the, it's called I yeah. am the night and is unfortunately not about Batman, um, <laughs> but, but Patty Jenkins did. Have you guys that. watched um, it? If you want to watch Pine in like <laughs> a in 1950s, you know, schlubby detective mode, it's great. Um, it's a. It looked good, and I don't. I don't mean to like take anything away from that. I just yeah. No, I, it's, it just it kind of goes places that are mildly disappointing, but I. I was thoroughly engaged with it on the level of like, oh, he's playing detective. He's playing kind of a version of like, it all. It's almost more in the line with somebody like a like a Doc Sportello from Inherent Vice a little bit. Like he's a little bit sort of out there as opposed to like right. a Sam Spade or whatever. But um, just to see him in that mode because we've never really seen him there before. I I really enjoyed it. And like, look, there's there's a myriad of like little performances we skipped over while talking about this. There's the film Carriers, Small Town Saturday Night. Watched all of them. Uh, he did Horrible Bosses Two and Stretch. Yep. You know, so the these are places that he popped up that like maybe are are more charactery or in Carriers place, just not worth talking about. Um, but uh, but but I do want to mention that like he is also working in these other films. He didn't just do like Z for Zachariah films, is another one. Yeah. Oh, Z for Zachariah, yep. yeah, and which is which is like a a small film disguised as a large film or a large film disguised. It's somewhere as a small in film. between. Because yeah. In, in terms of his personal life, he's mentioned he's not. You know, he says he has a spiritual outlook, but he's not religious. So he he'd most likely align himself with an agnostic. Um, 
the in terms of his politics we did mention them before he is a very left-leading guy i mean he cried during glory at the oscars so yeah he must- he exactly he he criticized uh obama when he strengthened the patriot act saying that he's it makes him a little uncomfortable when de- democrats do things that make them sort of interchangeable with republicans um he he uh is very anti-trump he endorsed clinton they did a whole video they did a trek against trump video in 2016 um so yeah like he is very much he even like there was a small bit of controversy when he did his actors on actors with robin wright i always think this idea of like make america great again didn't you steal that from reagan anyway but i also too it's like for for what precise what period of history are we talking about (laughs) again jim crow slavery (laughs) um you know plantation masters i'm not quite sure what you know and this is not to hate on the country which i live which i love obviously dearly but we've had problems forever and ever and ever running into all these interviews doing this research uh, i have never seen an actor talk more about anxiety and how anxious being famous makes him feel. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's part of the reason why he's so private and why he's so like pulled back and that, you know, he talks about that, that he's just a ball of nerves most of the time. Like he doesn't, he, and like admittedly he has, I don't, I don't want to make him be like, gosh, he's just like us. He has assistants <laughs> that can do sure, this stuff sure. for him, but he doesn't carry a phone that has an internet connection. He carries a phone, a flip phone. Like he refuses to do social media. Oh, he media. Christopher Nolan's it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and I think this is like an interesting thing that maybe isn't talked about that. Like you can be that beautiful <laughs> yeah. and still be really fucked up inside. Yeah, for and, sure. Cause sometimes I think like, man, if I looked like Chris Pine, I'd it, own everything the fucking would be world. fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I always find it fascinating when I'm just like, like, oh man, you have problems too. That's not fair, <laughs> right? So, like, wait a minute, hot people have problems too. Yeah, it does. I don't like the it. anxiety thing. Does I think kind of track though, because maybe that feeds into what I was saying about. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's why he's not a bigger movie star. He's right? even like, said I, though, you know, he said that he's like, I don't like horror movies. I don't. He's and you see this stretch of the last um, couple of movies he made he's like i want to make movies that are i don't know not full of killing people and right. you know are are happier and so i think like you can see that I mean, that was my that was my favorite like quote from him around the time that he was doing wonder woman he's like not to make it about marvel versus dc but what's their next film infinity war <laughs> like a never ending war yeah. who wants that right. yeah and i was like <laughs> no and, and it's I, I mean it speaks to that movie and even frankly him being in star trek right which is a franchise that is inherently earnest and and hopeful yeah. and right and so i feel like that kind of that all seems to gel together, I would imagine. He's a sweet guy. Yeah, he seems like he seems like a good boy. A good boy. He seems like a good boy. I don't know. Uh, that being said, let's take a moment to make fun of him and move into our one-star reviews. Love that. Because we're gentlemen, mm-hmm. uh, we like to make our guests go first, put them fully on the spot. Connor, what is your one-star Chris Pine review. Um, so it was a tough decision. There is a film that we didn't really talk about called Confession. <gasps> oh my God, yeah. Connor. Yes. So, so that, <laughs> that's a strong contender. Uh, it's really bad. Yeah, it's very bad. I hesitated making it my one star because it's not, I feel like one stars need to, in my mind, should be attributed to the person, right? And in terms of like yeah. their 
their role in doing it. But like I said, I think even in the bad ones, it's never really Pine's fault. Um, Confession's a very bad movie. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. Um, it was written f- by a guy who wrote it when he was 14 and still decided to direct it years later. And it fucking shows. It does. It very much shows. It's essentially uh, the director whose name escapes me right now for good reason. Jonathan Myers. Thank you. Um, He, Jonathan Myers wrote it when he was 14 and he, he said he was inspired to write it both by his upbringing in a Catholic school. And look, I went to Catholic school for 12 years uh, it was it was never like this. <laughs> How many but, people did you murder? Uh, four, only four. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Basically, Jonathan Meyer said he was inspired by the Alfred Hitchcock film I Confess, which is a very good film. You should watch it. It's a good thriller. Montgomery Cliff plays a priest who can't uh, basically find his way out of being accused of a murder because the actual murder confessed to him and he is held by his oath as a priest to not reveal. Anyway, whatever the movie, this movie hinges on those same dynamics, but Chris Pine basically accidentally kills. It's like rope meets I confess, right? It's like he and a schoolmate accidentally kill this kid who ratted on them because they were throwing a party and sort of had this little shady dealings and whatever. And, uh, and everything kind of goes from there. It's just, it feels like an after school special. It's, I, I hesitated making it my one star because it just, there's so much going against it that it almost doesn't feel fair. Hi, Father. Oh, go away. You know, I'll kill you too. You said you didn't want to hurt anyone else. I believe you. <laughs> I'm gonna die anyway. Why not take a few along with me? Because you're not like that. Stop this. How can I stop this? I've sinned and I'm not sorry. No, I I think it's an absolutely wonderful choice, Connor, because this movie, number one, just to get this out there, I kept watching it. I was like, at any moment, this could turn into porn. Yeah, Any no, moment. It, and it's the way it's shot too. It's shot sort of yeah, in yeah, a yeah. very softcore way. Um, it's yeah, so yeah, softcore. Yeah. It's it felt a lot of scenes felt like I was I was like laughing because I was thinking of the Satan's Alley trailer from uh, Tropic Thunder. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a bad movie. It's very funny. I mean, it's like he's playing a psych. He's a psychopath. Yeah, it's, he's. Like, I don't think he's even. Again, he's young. He's very young. This feels like a movie. It's not his first credited movie on IMDb. It, uh, in terms of release, it seems to have come out after Princess Diaries. But if you look at him in the movie, it he seemed, looks younger. It looks like the first movie he ever made. I think. I would think. Yeah. Um. So I hesitated. I hesitated making it my one star for that reason because it's like I don't know. It feels like low hanging fruit. I would say so, that I mean the tie for me would be this means war because yeah. well, don't worry, don't you dare worry, Connor, because that's my one yeah. star review. <laughs> yeah, that that was the tie because that movie, like I said before, is just such an astronomical waste of everybody's time. That that right. to me felt like a a huge crime. Um, it was almost just my luck, but I, I didn't want to drag Lindsay Lohan. So yeah. And also like, I don't know, I, is there even a character there for him to play in just my luck anyways? Yeah. But, but Louis, as you Louis. mentioned, yeah. So I, I, I also was flirting with confession, but I think this means war was more offensive. I there in some way, I think confession is like 
kind of like camp nonsense like sure. i can laugh i can laugh at it you cannot laugh because at this it movie. does feel like they're gonna kiss everybody's gonna yeah, just kiss. smooch yeah. everybody should just smooch i like watching As, chris pine smooch people he's got great lips yeah, <laughs> yeah. speaking of great lips and this means war um tom hardy with that just very kissable face uh but it, it's it's so offensive how bad this movie is and it's just like you know the politics are bad they uh, even like the one moment that they give Reese Witherspoon is that she's like, they're like racing down this highway and she's like, she's a product reviewer, I guess. That's her job. She, you know, yeah. Um, she test her. Test her. Yeah. And so yeah. she like knows how to like stop this car with the airbags or whatever. And so like, that's her like little kernel of information to like help out. The bad guy, the villain story is so secondhand because they spend oh, yeah. so much time it's, on them. And, and what sucks is like, it's fourth hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like the, I, I literally was watching the clock when, when he, when like he finally comes around and like gets her and there is 10 minutes left of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, and this movie also has this like bad politics where it's like, uh, Chris Pine sleeps with Reese Witherspoon, and I was like, "Oh well, he's gonna be the one that ends up with her." They're not gonna allow Reese Witherspoon to fuck both of these guys and then actually make a choice, right? Like you, you know, and in the end, it, you know, I, I just there is a good movie in like two um, spy character dudes get to actually just like try and woo a, a woman and like have fun doing it and not be like Tom Hardy takes her on a date and like. A circus or whatever and he's like let's go fucking trapezing on our first date and i'm like right. that's when he that turns is- to her a la water for elephants and he's like you're a beautiful woman and you deserve yeah, a beautiful life <laughs> it's i i i i yeah the, like when they're actually being normal human beings it's like oh yeah like the fight between tom hardy and chris pine is a fun movie but like everything else about this movie is so fucking trash fdr this is Hello, it's lovely to meet you lovely to meet you are you british yes i am Crying shame. Why? Oh, no reason. You have you have very gentle hands, don't you? Strong hands. Gentle hands. Strong hands. Gentle hands. It's like holding a salmon. Can you excuse me for just a second? I think this movie asks him to um, get rid of all the actual edge and like kind of cool guy stuff about him, and this is just him being like kind of a dick. Yeah, and he's like yeah. that's the hardest part is that, and I'm fine with you want to cast him as a dick. Or an irredeemable guy. We didn't really talk about people like us. That's like people like us is his. We are. We're gonna. Oh, okay. All right. We'll get to it. Sorry. <laughs> Spoilers. Um. But it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he can play a dick, and I'm fine with it. Like he's good at it. I think that's even what makes some of his like his Kirk right a, a compelling yeah. character. Right. He's he's like a little bit of an asshole, but you love him anyway. Um. And that's not especially fucking. I don't know. Especially these days, that's not an easy thing to sell. Right, and he can also, he can sell it well, but in this movie, to your point, Louis, he just kind of like I don't know, he's just it, a dick. Like, I don't, it, yeah, there's no two ways. His about name it. is FDR. Yeah, which yeah, which, it's that it like doesn't even really get explained. That's the no, toughest right. shit. In and the, the world amount for of me. times they say it, yeah. you expect it to no, be no, because she right. and like she's they, so. I mean, credit to Reese Witherspoon. She's like FDR, FDR, just like letting it like roll off yeah. the tongue. Like it's like not a thing. I, it's worth noting, so this movie was produced by, I don't know if they're still together, but the, uh, a person she was dating at the time. And oh. it was sort of designed as a vehicle a little bit of like, and if you guys, I don't know if you guys remember when this movie came out, but it was this vehicle of like, she's a little bit older than them, but like good for her, kind of like getting these two mm. younger guys, right? And it's nice to watch and, you know, 
that's all well and good. But it also was produced by Will Smith. And you have to, I have to wonder if he was not attached to some version of this movie. And then once I got that in my head, I was like, oh, he would be so much better in either one of the role. And again, like, I don't really think it's Pine, Hardy, or Witherspoon's fault, really. I no, think the movie's just... It's just bad. I don't know. McGee's a bad director. He's just a bad director. Yeah. He's a bad director yeah. who makes bad films. Gavin, what about you? What's your one-star review? So my one-star review is 2012's People Like Us. Uh, and I, I I, think specifically for, for very good reasons, I tend to gravitate more towards performance when we're talking about one-star reviews and five-star reviews because we're here to talk about Chris Pine. And I do think maybe with a better script, I wouldn't be here because I truly hated the film more than I hated Chris Pine, but I also think he's not giving a great performance. And so people like us, which was originally called welcome to people. (laughs) Um, Can we just say awful, awful, awful name? Like the most generic, both both titles. And the most generic uh, means nothing. I couldn't find the actual, I was trying to find the actual like story behind it, but isn't it like autobiographical, right? Like isn't yeah, isn't Kurtzman also, like? Oh, is it? Oh no! I, it's also based on a true story. I don't know if it's about Alex Kurtzman's or not, but like it, it definitely starts off with like a little like. Sorry, based go, on a true go, story. go on, Gavin. Ex- explain this. Okay, this so film. it's so it's a film in which Chris Pine plays a character named Sam Harper. He's a struggling corporate trader in New York. His boss encourages him to to lie to the these Federal Trade Commission people. Uh, he finds out his father passes away. His father was a record producer, so he goes home to L.A. Uh, with uh, to be with his mother after his father died. And they had kind of a tense relationship, him and his father. Um, he meets with his father's lawyer, Philip Baker Hall, who is great in general. Yeah. Um, and Philip Baker Hall basically is like, you, you get nothing except for these records. But also, here's a note that you deliver it to um, this young boy, Josh, Josh Davis. Um and essentially, he finds out that he has a secret half-sister, Frankie Davis, played by Elizabeth Banks. Um, she's a recovering alcoholic. And he proceeds to stalk her instead of just coming out and telling her who he yeah, is. Yeah, that's the huge uh, problem he, with this movie. Yeah, he integrates himself into her life in order to determine if she's worthy of the $150,000 his father left for her child. Mm-hmm. On top of all this, I didn't even mention uh, Olivia Wilde, who's his girlfriend, uh, possibly, uh, you know, girlfriend come fiance, depending. Uh, and she, like, goes to L.A., realizes he's a shitty person, leaves comes back for some unknown reason like literally she's like i knew you'd do the right thing so here's what's interesting so that i don't know this for sure but this was just me doing the math that um the movie was delayed because they did significant reshoots with with him pfeiffer and olivia wilde and it led me to believe that i was like was she not in this movie at all until yeah. until they did the reshoots because a lot of their relationship is played over the phone other right. than the, f- the few scenes that they're in or whatever i think almost I, like it, because uh, the big uh hurdle for this movie is like making sure that chris pine and elizabeth banks don't have that much chemistry like well, but that's a right. problem with the movie because i, know, I think they it have is. great chemistry <laughs> i i was going to say the 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 
the my biggest problem is too is he is consistently outacted by every woman in the film mm -hmm. by michelle pfeiffer by olivia that, wilde and by fucking that elizabeth may, Banks. that may be true i'll say this i'll say this i think he's fine in the movie but i think the big problem with the movie is and I wanted to like this movie because I feel like this is a movie that on its face is right up my alley. Like it's like a pseudo Jerry Maguire like thing. Like I, right. I really wanted to like it and I came off not loving it so much. But what I the weirdest thing to me in, with this movie is how it treats that relationship. Like you mentioned, Gavin, where he's like stalking her and it's uh, there's just a better way to do that. Can I get you something that they sell here? No, 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 no. Look, look, I, I swear to you on my life, I am not and will never hit on you, ever. Wow, thank you. I'm sure that was meant to reassure me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure you get hit on all the time. I'm not one of those guys. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a relationship right now, so. Oh, that's so great for you. What's his name? <laughs> but also, he knows that they're related. Right, she right. does not. Does not. Right? Right. And what's weird is that I would argue that, and you guys can disagree, but I would argue that they have wonderful sexual chemistry. Yes. And it's a problem for the movie because you're like, do I want him to fuck his sister? Like, it's a <laughs> it's a problem because it's just like, what are we doing here? Well, that's when why is I this they... supposed to be? It, it's weird because you're like, is this supposed to be a conflict within the movie? Right. The, I think that's why they like Olivia Wilde character is so needed though because one as an audience member you know that he is committed to this other girlfriend no, no, right you, and also she even says she's like you know that you're gonna hurt this woman they yeah. have a conversation where she and says that's what, you are being fucked up and not I I guess I felt a little I'm a little warmer on the movie just because to me it does feel like this guy is struggling to like make any connections to his family like estranged or otherwise and he is does not want that and at the end like the gag of the movie spoiler is like that they actually did know each other and played together and i'm fine with the pine character like i am see i'm not and i i know i mean i've i've let you guys talk yeah, go, <laughs> about go, go, how go, you're fine go. I think I think he is a perfect example of just an uninteresting, incredibly toxic man who is reliving all of the same problems that his father had and not necessarily not necessarily learning from them. That's the like yeah. he in the end comes around, but it has very little to do with the fact that he has grown as a yeah. person. And I think that that scene at the end where he like shows her the the like <laughs> surveillance picnic, which of, out of context of is the creepiest fucking thing that's it's ever creepy. been filmed because it's and a that's dude the thing. filming and it's children. supposed to be this big cathartic moment for you as an audience member to be like, wow, he really did still care, and I think that's what it means to Chris Pine's character, yeah. and that is so fucked yeah. up because it literally gives him a license to be like, well, you know, he wasn't such a bad guy at all, and you know what. Maybe I'm no, no, no. That's a totally fair observation. I guess what I was saying is I am fine. If you want to give me the narrative of here's a super shitty dude who who yeah. needs to find his way to be a better person, I can watch that, right? And I'm fine with that. Like I said, it's like a pseudo Jerry Maguire, whatever thing. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I don't think this movie sticks that landing at all. And that's the problem. And I think a big part of it is like watching all of these people in this movie who are all very talented people um, 
and I, I agree with Louis. I'm a little warmer on the movie because I just like watching these people. Right. But, um, people like them, people People like like them, them. but, um, welcome to people, Connor. (laughs) I, you know, it's funny. I had no idea what people are. Now I know what people Mm. are. Now you know. Thanks to Alex fucking Kurtzman. Alex Kurtzman, director of The Mummy. Yes. And I was just going to say, you mentioned earlier, he needs like a a stronger director to, to like, to get what they sort of want out of him to know. And this was Alex Kurtzman's first film as director. And I think that really shows in the flawed way. But were there anything else that you guys saw that you didn't particularly like? I I really didn't care for Carriers, uh, even no matter how like prescient or informed as it it was, because I will admit, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a movie about a pandemic. It sort of felt like, except for Chris Maloney's character and his daughter, um, the rest of the world wasn't worth saving either. No. And so I was like, it makes the same mistake that just my luck does in that it chooses to follow the least redeemable of its characters and treat them as the protagonists yeah. as opposed to it being like a Chris Maloney movie, who, yeah. who, who, you know, and then they then come across Chris Pine. Z for Zachariah felt like it wanted to be more than it, actually is like i i felt yeah. like it, it bit off a little more than it could chew yeah um uh but you know uh i think we've touched on all of, uh, from what i saw yeah so why don't we get into our performances from chris pine that we happen to like a little bit better connor what do you got for us so again this was a toss-up i do think his best performance is in hell or high water i think it's it's got a lot of just, I think a lesser actor might have committed to maybe certain choices that I think he kind of just lets be subdued and subtle. And I think with those baby blues, he's great at communicating a lot with a little. And a, a, particularly a ben, against uh, Ben Foster, who's acting with an A in that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, he, I think he does a wonderful job. Um it's not my favorite of his movies, but but I think it is probably his best performance. But I would say that's maybe tied. I, it's it's really hard to discount Captain Kirk in Star Trek 09. It's such it's such a good performance. I don't know, like it. I Connor, you're my favorite. Don't tell Dan. No, it's just it's just <laughs> such a. I, so this is the thing you mentioned. Um, Unstoppable kind of being his star making thing. And re, uh, the only movie that I had seen of his that I didn't rewatch for this was the first Star Trek. And because um, I've seen it so many times. And it did make me realize watching the pre Star Trek movies, everything that's present in Jim Kirk and everything that's present in Chris Pine as a charismatic movie star is in all of those movies. And mm. um, even the bad ones, right? Like even Confession, frankly. Um, and it does make you realize what a coming out party Star Trek 09 is. (laughs) And it's, yeah, it really is just this thing of you go, I like you watch that movie and I, like I said, I mean, I, I think he is sort of to credit with turning me into a Star Trek fan on the whole, but it's because I remember sitting in that theater and just going like watching him in the Kobayashi Maru test doing the finger guns at the screen, eating the apple and just being like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to be his best friend. Like, I, I don't know. It, 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 it's, 
it feels like a basic choice because it's the big one and it's the thing, one of the things he'll be remembered for. But I, I will say as a sort of honorable mention, Hell or High Water, probably his best acted performance in my mind, but uh, but the first outing is, as Kirk is uh, unstoppable to me. To, to pun. I, oh. <laughs> what is it with you, Spock? Hmm? Your planet was just destroyed. Your mother murdered. And you're not even upset. If you are presuming that these experiences in any way impede my ability to command this ship, you are mistaken. And yet you were the one who said fear was necessary for command. I mean, did, did you see his ship? Do you see what he did? Yes, of course I did. So are you afraid or aren't you? I will not allow you to lecture me about the merits of emotion. No, why don't you stop me? Step away from me, Mr. What is it like not to feel anger or heartbreak or the need to stop at nothing to avenge the death of the woman who gave birth to you? Back away from You feel nothing! It must not even compute for you! You never loved her! I mean, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek 2009. I cry every time I watch it uh, because I'm a mess. And, uh, but... I, I will say the other credit I'll give to him, too, is I think it's incredibly hard to walk into a franchise like that where you are playing a character that's beloved by a lot of people, but also then having to act against some of the people that are in it, yeah, you know, it, that exists from yeah. that previous franchise. Yeah. And that first scene between him and Spock and Nimoy has Spock on fucking yeah, lock. Of course. Nimoy is just like, like, you know, like, Jim, I yeah. you have been and always shall be my friend and blah, blah. And him having to play the whole like Bill bewildered of like what the fuck is going yeah. on but also like keep it cool your kirk is i i don't know i i don't know how he did it's it the and kind especially of performance i'll say this now because maybe we everybody's a little more friendlier to these kind of movies in general it's the kind of performance that maybe or maybe not would have like made it to the globes like do you know what I mean? Like yeah. in a mm. like if Johnny Depp can get nominated for Captain Jack Sparrow, you know what I mean? Like right, yeah. right, or Heath right. Ledger for the Joker, or Joaquin Phoenix for the Joker, that kind of thing. If we're living in that world, it to yeah. me it's the kind of performance that maybe people go, eh, good job, because it's yeah I don't know it's got yeah. it's got a little more nuance and maybe to, to what you were talking about, b- both of you right about how him choosing Kirk over the white jazz thing is kind of an inflection point. I just think his portrayal is maybe a little bit more nuanced than yeah. you than you might expect. And for him to to redefine a character separately from Shatner, who so wonderfully defined a character, mm-hmm. is, is yeah. not an easy task. And I think it's worth commending. Louis, what is your five-star review? Uh, I want to go to bat for um, Into the Woods and him in Into the Woods. Ooh, because good. I think... Wow. I'm not, I'm not picking it as my five-star review, okay. but I okay. think like... Just before I get to there, like, I, there was a moment where I was like, I think I talked to Derek this morning. I was like, babe, how is he in Into the Woods? Because Derek is a big fucking Into the Woods freak. Um, and he's like, he's actually pretty good. And so we watched just Agony. And I was like, yeah. oh, fuck, I need to watch this now. Um, and it's like a 10,000. So you took nine hours. Uh, yeah, it's a 10,000 hour movie. <laughs> um, but I, I feel very partial to him and this movie just because it feels so reflective of his career and like he is taking what you know this this uh what hollywood loved about him and his looks and just like this facade and uh the 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 role of prince charming which literally he played in princess diaries too right yeah and turning it on its head and playing this guy who is aware that he is kind of an asshole and um you know is is over the top and and it's just like i don't know there's something his 
portrayal in that movie i think is so good and and like i said that moment with um uh billy magnuson is just so good <laughs> delivering the line like i was raised to be charming not sincere i was like my yeah. favorite <laughs> fucking line in any musical ever yeah i say it all the time so um it's funny i once said it to my mom and she was like you're damn right <laughs> oh my so. goodness um that being said i i you really can't go wrong with um hell or high water that's i i had not seen this movie before and um already credit for you know a, a fun texas movie but also just like he this movie to me he's very good in it like you said connor but the movie to me is a lot about like uh there's a moment when a random guy who's like it's a little silly huh and and the cop is like what he's like trying to survive as a bank robber it's so out of date it's so old-fashioned and this whole movie really is just about like the old ways of life and them like dying and like how hard it is to like live in this modern world First of all, he it, it looks like he loves being in this movie. Him and Ben yeah. Foster had already worked together in The Finest Hours. And so they, I think he is, does a really good job of like turning it down to let Ben Foster fucking like bounce off the walls and be a crazy person. Uh, and you get to see him like be a little soft, but he's a man on the edge. He is like, you yeah. know, willing to uh, fucking, you know, do what it has to do to, uh, you know, provide for his family. And, uh, yeah, I, I, so I think Hell or High Water is one of those movies that you don't see them a lot, I would say. It's like a smaller movie. Uh, Jeff Bridges is incredible. Uh, yeah, he's so good. Uh, yeah. God, and again, he, not to spoil, but when he has his moment at the end of the movie, mm-hmm, and, he, mm-hmm. and he sort of sits down on the rock, and he like laughs and cries to himself at the same time, oh, yeah. it's like uh, yeah. truly wonderful. But Yeah, I... I actually absolutely agree with both of you and i think it's very hard to take i i have no problem with the performances in that movie everybody including even down to the waitress, oh, the waitress who, is is so in, fucking uh, who is in blind dating by the way yes yeah. yes yeah, yeah. yeah you got any idea how much i owe debbie and child support got enough in your front pocket to fix that problem right now you can't spare it you know that maybe we should hit another branch You know, you talk like we ain't gonna get away with this. I've never met nobody got away with anything, ever. You. And why in the hell did you agree to do it? Because you asked, little brother. My problem with Hell or High Water, before we move out of it, is um, I think um, Taylor Sheridan writes two-thirds of great movies, and then... chickens out at the end of it and i thought i think this one was saying something so politically interesting and and uh, you know emotionally interesting and then in the end it just becomes a western and and it like the the, the most kind of throwawayable western for me can i um, but that's can me. i disagree that's, a little bit? I, 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 there yeah. was because i okay before my rewatch i might have agreed with you because of the way i remembered this movie in my head was kind of like that but rewatching it aesthetically I tend to like what he puts out there. Um, But with this movie, I was surprised at how much he um, indicts the bullshit masculinity of like Second Amendment Texans. Um, Mm. (laughs) And I, I really appreciated that because even Ben Foster by the third act of the movie, when he goes full gun crazy. Yeah firing at a bunch of dudes, right? Like he's clearly, there is clearly no endorsement there, right? Like Ben Foster has now gone into the, 
the realm of like being the bad guy of, right. of, of the movie. And it it's teed up in a way that I like throughout the movie, which is, you know, you, you mentioned Louis Pine playing it a little softer. I love that as the offset of all that because he gets to erupt in these little moments. I like it in that regard. Cause I think this movie, I think this movie wants you to think, you know where it stands politically speaking on a lot of things and it finds ways to kind of indict those things at the same time that it tries well, to at the very end of it it does like the the politics of the movie like are so unknowable because at the very end these are people who are just trying to survive right and so it doesn't matter right it, like you know they need money i think to, it does i think i well, mean no, i think for, that for me for it them, does for, for me. them though like i'm not saying for me it doesn't matter yeah. but for them like it's so it's always so hard to me for like you can't apply politics to people who are like just trying to survive like at the very end like that like a poor person someone in abject poverty is not going to be like well uh, that liberal president or that Republican president, it doesn't fucking matter. They just want need money to survive, you know, like I in the long run, of course, like of course policy matters and like in the long run something might help them, but like in the right now, like how am I going to survive? Like they, they don't have the luxury to debate about politics, you know? And so I think like trying to apply that to uh Ben Foster and um but there is a po- moment in that in the in the movie where the waitress is like, "We could use a chef," and um, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, I guess it's not even necessarily that for me, but yeah, I I mean, I I agree with what you're saying, but I don't I don't know. I mean, I th- I think I'm looking maybe at it at a macro sense, and you're well, Gavin, boiled it down what, more what, to what, what is your choice? What is your five star review? Um, so my five star review, and I, I, once again, as I said. I can I cannot disagree with you guys on that cuz I do think it's actually one of his most amazing performances. Uh but I'm going to go unpopularly with uh 2010's Unstoppable. Uh-huh. Now, I want to preface this by saying I think this is kind of a dumb movie. <laughs> I think this is kind <laughs> of a, a fine dumb way, right? I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah, it yeah. And a it's a dumb way. fun movie. Yeah, yeah. I I wish I'd seen it on the big screen. I yeah, really do. I think I think it would play really well on the big screen. Uh and I think what's interesting about his character, we already described a little bit. It's a movie about a runaway train. Denzel Washington's character is taking rookie Chris Pine out. Uh, Denzel Washington's character has basically received word that he's been fired or is, will be let go in six months. And they basically sort of become heroes to take down this runaway train, which is carrying, you know, poisonous liquids that w- would basically decimate the population of, of any city if that like collided with something. Um, and so th- they take it upon themselves to try and stop this. The company's like, no, you're going to cost us more money. And Denzel Washington's like, who cares about money? When the company's like, no, we're going to send like a military <laughs> man in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to talk specifically about Chris Pine's character. Chris Pine plays a character named Will Coulson. Um, and he is 100% not the right person to be cast in this role. And I'm saying that because... Will Coulson's character is essentially an awful human being, mm-hmm. even though he's doing something noble. He is uh, basically super controlling when it comes to his relationship. Uh, his He believed his wife was cheating on him. And so he basically stalked her and then went after the guy he thought she was cheating on him with, physically attacked Whoa. him. And as, then, as Denzel and now, Washington said, or no, what does he say? Yeah. He goes, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. He has the best Denzel reaction in the fucking and, world and to it. 
Anyway, I drive to this guy's house, tell him we need to talk, let's take a ride. He jumps in my truck and he starts in with how you got it all wrong, we're just friends. And then he stops once he sees the gun I got sitting on the dash. Oh! I look him in the eye and I say, she's my wife, you find a new friend. You pulled a gun on a cop? But you want to hear the kicker? Yes, I do. It wasn't even him that was texting her, it was my sister-in-law. Anyway, by the time I got home, his buddy's waiting for me, just waiting to serve me with this restraining order. Darcy wouldn't even look at me. And there was a hearing today, the judge ordered a 30-day extension. It's like one day everything's going okay, and then, you know, the next it's all falling apart faster than you can put it back together. Yeah. Never too late, though. This is the mark of a psychopath. Sure. They're mm-hmm. never going to have a happy relationship 100%. together. That woman should uh, run away yes. from him. The problem is Chris Pine is not this person. And and you watch him play this and you're like, oh, no, this this is clearly like a Josh Holloway role. Like this is somebody with a gruff sort of like, like, oh, you know, but that's not Chris Pine. But I think he makes it his own. And I think it's a really hard, delicate, high wire act because I think what they were, I think when they saw him and he, you know, he auditioned for this role, they were like, this is the guy. This is a beautiful face. This is, he can carry all this off and didn't think about like the interior. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned the things that sort of like blunt the edges of his gruffness. This is one of the few times where like he could have been way more gruff Mm -hmm. could have been more Mm -hmm. haggard could have been more and he doesn't do it and i think what it does is no matter how awful his character seems because denzel washington even too should tell him like no right you're You're wrong yeah 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 uh but instead it's like you gotta get her back yeah (laughs) and i think it's i think it's just chris pine's natural charm coming through and and really making that character his own. I stand by. I don't think this is a role he should have ever played in a million years. But I think he's very good and very watchable. Yeah, I it. think that's correct. And I, I mentioned this, this to you, Gavin, at one point. Like, I think he knows what role he's playing. I don't think Tony Scott or the rest of the movie does. And right. yeah. I, th- yeah, I, agree. I think that's what's interesting about that performance is that like the movie thinks like, Oh yeah, this is just a guy who made some mistakes and is just going to get it's the John every man. And, yeah. And you're like, well, no. And I think Pine yeah. knows, no, this is a truly haunted individual who has made some irreparable life choices, knows he has to live with them. And he's just carrying that in his fucking face and, <laughs> and, but manages to sell it. And I think that's a weird thing of, there's a disconnect there that I think would otherwise, no pun intended, derail a movie. Um, but I Lol. think if you can, I think if you can, listener, if you've not watched Unstoppable, I think if you can watch it with that in mind, where Pine, is, I think, is truly keyed into what the character is. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. Was there anything else that you guys saw that you particularly liked? I think Wonder Woman is for sure like worth you know his yeah. his portrayal of Steve Trevor. Um, I, I think everyone, uh, was in like, um, unison, uh, thinking that 84 was not as good as Wonder Woman. It was, um, <laughs> you know, beautiful gowns, uh, but he made some I choices he, though. Yeah. But he's, I think he's, he's very good. 
Yeah, I I would agree. I would also just echo what I said before. If you if you've not seen Outlaw King, he's very good in that. Um, and it's an interesting movie, an interesting take on that genre. And uh, f- the finest hours, which you can find on Disney Plus. Uh, oh though, yeah, it's though right not a though not you know an amazing movie overall. I actually do truly think it's a it's a wonderful performance by him. And we talked about the Star Trek, so everybody knows my opinion of those. So <laughs> yeah, feel free to check them out. Uh, but yes, before we move into our fast forward, why don't we do our mixed reviews reviews? So my one star review was 2012's People Like Us. My one star review was also 2012's This Means War. My one star review was 2005's Confession. My five star review was 2010's Unstoppable. My five star review was 2016's Hell or High Water. And my five-star review was 2009's Star Trek. So now we're in our fast forward, and obviously Chris Pine's like a young pup, so he's going to be keep doing things. And there's a there's a bunch of things that he's been either attached to or he's working on. One of the things I didn't mention was in 2017, he was attached to a Hulu original produced miniseries in which he was going to play Robert F. Kennedy called, uh, you know, it was based on the book, Bobby Kennedy, the making of a liberal icon. He is perfect. I was just going to say, Bobby Kennedy. he would be a great Bobby Kennedy. And I have no idea how it hasn't happened Can yet. Can that take as, place in the same universe later. as 13 days where Bruce Greenwood <laughs> plays JFK? Can we get? Yes. Yeah. He's in Olivia Wilde's uh, new movie. Which, Don't worry, darling. Yes. I believe. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he might possibly be in the next Dungeons and Dragons film, which like, who knows what that is even. I, I, but am I reading this that he was reporting about to play Walter Cronkite? Yes. Yes. About the Kennedy, back to Kennedy, about wow. in a movie called Newsflash about the Kennedy assassination. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I mean, he's, you know, all the old knives is. Supposedly Which, filming that's the right movie now. we were referring to when ah, we were talking about his turtleneck his and tactical and turtlenecks. Yes, yes, his his, yes. his three days of the condor spy it's, attire. Dope title it's him and, for a spy movie, I think. All yeah, and it's him and title. Tandy Newton. And once again, speaking of like older women, younger men. Yeah, good, like, good, good parent. Good. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Uh, I've already bought my people. ticket. Let's go. <laughs> all the old well, men. Welcome to beautiful people. Mm. Yeah. Personally, we mentioned stage. I would love to see him on stage. He's he's young, and but he's also sort of aging into those like classic roles. Yes. Like you you know you, yeah. you want it. You get him into like a death of a salesman. Sure. Sort of. Yeah. If I look at all the old knives, he's doing what I want him to do. Like, yeah. I think he's an actor who, like I like I've said, is I think twenty years ahead of his time, and I think kind of weirdly thrives when he does movies that don't get made anymore. And something like All the Old Knives kind of feels like that. So, uh, you know, yeah, m- more of that. Like just, um, and like you said, more drag. Let's do it. it Let's feels- get, can we get him in like Hedwig Ooh. or something? Like- <laughs> I would watch that. I'd watch, I'd watch that. that. It feels like that he's, and I hate to use this like comparison, but like it feels like he has pulled a full Bradley Cooper and like he doesn't have to do just like I'm a hot, boring person anymore. And sure. now gets to like he has enough cachet in Hollywood that he can actually choose meatier, more interesting. You know, Hollywood trusts him now to make money 
and they are trusting him to like they're like oh yeah he's not just a pretty face and so now looking at what he has kind of lined up it's like oh yeah he is now fully in control of his um, destiny and 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 going to I'm, I'm excited for like you know all the things that we've talked about like coming going ahead it's like oh he's got a a full slate of cool stuff coming his way and so he's one of those characters that i think that we cover we that there's still so much ahead for them you know like you know he's at his peak right now i think you know wonder woman has kind of i guess wonder woman he might be done with now like a spoiler with it would seem so yeah yeah it it would and i think that would be the smart career move too honestly he's done you know all these kind of big uh uh franchise things and now he can kind of like reap the, the reward of that and who knows given the story mechanics like maybe years later he returns to a trek Right. You know, if he needs to do the occasional like, right, I got to make money with a Star Trek movie or something. I'll, I'll watch that. I, it makes me hopeful because it seems like he's doing all the things that I want him to do. Yeah, he's done. He's done his franchise stuff. And yeah, I want another Star Trek movie. But also like if he did, if like there were no more franchise films outside of Star Trek, I'm fine. I'm right. Fine like if that. Beyond is the last one, I'm good. Like yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. So Connor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank for you for having Chris me. Pine Palooza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where I can pine we? For, f- I pine for pine. So oh, I mean, glad, don't we all? Don't yeah, we I'm glad all. I'm here. Uh, but where else can we find you online? This is your moment to plug your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned at the top, um, I produce and co-host a podcast called The B Side for the Film Stage. You can find that on Facebook and Twitter at TFS B Side. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. I write occasionally for the film stage, and we just started a new sort of sub-series on the B-side called uh, The Final Frame, where we're going to sort of examine the final films of respected directors. And we kicked that off with Alfred Hitchcock's Family Plot uh, with our buddy Nate Washburn, who's a friend of our show and uh, a very smart guy. And that's a really good episode. If you haven't seen Family Plot, you should watch it. It's underrated. It's very good. Um, and our upcoming episode, I don't know when this is going to drop, so maybe it'll be out by the time this does, but we, uh, are going to be doing an episode on Marion Davies, uh, for the B side, which was a lot of fun. Cause just admittedly, I mean, that goes far back enough to, to a time in Hollywood that I admittedly don't know a ton about. So that was a lot of fun to just do the research and, and find some things out and I'll let you, I'll let you know what those things are when you listen to the episode. But, uh, but yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I'm glad that you pitched this to us because it ended up being, uh, I think the, I think the episodes that end up being the most surprising for Louie and I are the ones that are pitched to us. The ones that we maybe yeah, would not sure. have thought of themselves ourselves. No, I'm glad, I'm glad you said yes to it. Cause he's, like I said, I think sneakily a guy that might be like my favorite movie star and uh and yeah so thank thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it i love i love the show and i love what you guys are doing oh say more anyways <laughs> uh so yes and if the rest of you want to find us online you can always tweet at us at at the mixed reviews we're also on facebook just type in the mixed reviews if you have any suggestions comments questions concerns you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com we also have a bunch of extra goodies over on Instagram. We're at the underscore mix underscore reviews. And if you want to continue listening to us, you can subscribe to us on a plethora of podcast apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, Amazon, Audible. We're everywhere. And if you could stop by Apple Podcasts and give us a little five-star rating and a review, we'll read it on the show. We'd love to do that. 
Yeah, we're waiting for yours, Connor. I, I'm <laughs> writing it right now. So here we are. <laughs> so thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We will be back in two weeks with actually a listener suggestion, but we're not going to tell you what it is until then. <laughs> Suspense. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. I've grown accustomed to her face. She almost makes the day begin. I've grown accustomed to the tune She whistles night and noon Her smiles, her frowns His ups, his downs Are second nature to me now Like breathing out and breathing in His breathing in Iowa serenely independent